Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. All right, everybody stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read out of Colossians 1, 21 through 27. Thank you. I'm new at this. All right. And I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness and the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. And to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you and the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim and admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Word of the Lord, you can have a seat. <laughs> there you go. It's a lot of scripture. But the great thing about that is that God's word is powerful and it would do what it's meant to do, whatever he wants it to do this morning. So my prayer is this morning that you would just open up your hearts and listen to God's word and let him speak to you what he wants to say to you. Amen. Let's go to him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. But it is the power to change lives. Your word penetrates, it changes people, it heals people, it gives people confidence and strength. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would do what you want done here this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall and that, Father, we would recognize that we belong to you because you gave everything up for us. Father, we just want to glorify your name. We give you praise and love in Jesus' name. Amen. I often think back to when it was for me what my life was like before he got a hold of me. 
And I don't know of anyone in here this morning that, 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 that can look back and say, my life was absolutely perfect before I came to Christ. Well, if that was the case, right, he would not have to come and go to the cross for us. He would not have to make the ultimate sacrifice of going and dying for people like us. And so when I look back on, on, on my life and I, I reflect on things, I, I realize that there was moments in my life to where I really wanted nothing to do with God. As a little guy, I just wanted to run and make fun of people, hurt little other kids, do my thing, because it was fun and enjoyable. Having no care, no thought that I was separated at that time from the Holy Father who created me in his image. And I think that's for most of us, right? When we're just kind of living our life and doing our own thing and we're not really thinking about Christ, there's a lot of fun and a lot of pleasure and a lot of excitement in the midst of all that, right? Because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be engaging in it. But somewhere along the road, we realize that there's something inside of us that is missing. There's something inside of us that is broken. And that's the way that we come out of our mother's womb, whether we believe it or not. He says we are born into sin when we come out of there because of what Adam and Eve did on the, back in the Garden of Eden many, many, many thousands of years ago. And we forget that we need a Savior that understands everything about us and that can rebuild us, that can redeem us, that can give us strength and energy to be all of what he called us to be. Got four things that I want to share with you this morning. I just kind of title this Redemption. Redemption, being redeemed. And this is the first thing. Once alienated, but now reconciled back to Christ. Number two, hold firm to the gospel. And we're going to sit there for a moment this morning, and we're going to talk about holding firm to the gospel because in our society right now, people are running from the gospel. Even those who once said in these walls right here in these seats. Number three, because of Christ, we can rejoice through our sufferings. And I know when the first thing that comes to mind when, when you hear we can rejoice during our sufferings, pain, hurt, where's the joy? Where's the excitement about that in this walk? Well, I'm going to let you know. And then the last thing, the mystery is revealed to God's people. Really funny, Fitz gets up here and he shares about being revealed, the gospel being revealed, and that's point number four. And Fitz and I didn't talk this morning. Fitz always has too much on his mind to talk in the morning. So we did not converse about this, but there it is. So I just pray this morning that you would be excited, first of all, about being in the house of the Lord. It's always a joy to be here, amen? I don't know about you, but when I get the opportunity to come and speak and share about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's something exciting inside of me that I get kind of pumped up and kind of excited. I even went back this morning and I said, you know, last week I was in Hot Springs and I was a little loud, kind of hurt some people's ears. So I, I, I conveyed to him today, please turn my mic down. Please turn my mic down so at least somebody can hear the message without going, is he done? 
But I'm telling you, the words that I have of you is something that God has conveyed to me, and I just pray that you would receive this. Redemption. I want to give you a definition of redemption. It is the action of buying back or repurchasing what was previously forfeited or lost. God, all those words sound like being called back to the Lord. Let's read that again. Is the action of being of a buying back or repurchasing what was previously forfeited. And what was forfeited previously for us? Anyone want to take a guess? When Adam and Eve did what they did in the garden, what was forfeited for us? That relationship with the Father. There was this relationship that Adam and Eve had back when they were first created, that they had this fellowship with God and they had this love for him and they had the love for one another and everything was groovy until they decided that they were going to do their own thing. And they sinned and brought sin into the world. And what did it do? It separated them from the Holy Father. And what did they do just like we do today? They ran and hid just like we do. And you know what, men and women, we've been hiding ever since that moment. Every time something goes on wrong in our lives, we run this way rather than running this way towards him with his arms stretched out wide. He tells us in verse 21, it reads this way. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, I don't know about you. But I would not like to display all my behavior back when I was in high school, back when I was in college. Would anyone volunteer to put their stuff up here on the screen so that we can relive it? Absolutely not. There's something about our past that when we were engaging in all kinds of risky behavior, doing our own thing, that there's shame and guilt and regret and no one wants to see that. And we definitely don't want to rebuild that. And we definitely don't want to relive that. But there was moments in our life where we alienated ourselves from the Father. We were doing our own thing. And what is the Father? He is holy. He is righteous. And he can't stand to be around our sinful nature when we decide that we're going to be rebellious and do our own thing. We were alienated from him. But praise the Lord. What does it say in verse 22? What does he tell us? But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. See, this is the deal, men and women. There's nothing good about us, and there's nothing that we can ever do that would ever bring us back in fellowship with God. With all of our goodness, with all of our being upright and holy and nice and wonderful and doing all the right things, none of those things were ever going to bring us back in the fellowship with him. It is so difficult to believe that when we look out and we see all of what Christ has done for us, that some of us have decided that we're going to alienate ourselves all over again and walk away. That if that lifestyle that was out there that we were once engaged in, the things that we were once doing, that we were having so much fun and receiving so much pleasure from, I would rather go back and do those things than be with my Holy Father who understands me and has freed me and set me free from all of my guilt and shame. Which one would you like to have? Would you really like to go back and relive all of the mess that you were once in? I wouldn't. And I would say that most of us in here would not want to. In Romans 5 and 10, it says this. For if, 
while we were God's enemy. And that's exactly what we were, guys. You who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, you are an enemy to him. We who didn't know Christ at the time when we were living our lives, we were enemies to him. We had no fellowship with him. We had nothing good about us that was in us because he was not dwelling within us. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more? How much more, having been reconciled, should we be saved through his life? And Ephesians 2 and 3 says this, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And what is the flesh? It refers to the sinful state that we were in. You see, when we want to point fingers at people who are out here engaging in risky behavior, engaging in all kinds of sexual immorality, engaging in alcoholism, engaging in all of the things that we look at and we point at and say, look at him, look at her. The scripture says that we were once there. We were once doing the same thing they were doing, but it was by the grace of God that we're no longer doing those things. And we forget that, that he reconciled us back to him to pull us out of the depths of what we were dealing with to where we are today. And I don't think we give him enough praise or give him enough honor to tell him enough times how thankful we are that he delivered us from the mess that we found ourselves in. We don't do it. Because a lot of times we think that we put on the boots, what do you say, strap them up and pull yourself up. Think we did it all under our own power. But it was through his grace. And it was through his love. And it was through his patience. And it was through his understanding of who we are and what we get ourselves into. There are the reasons why we are set free. The flesh and following its desires and its thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving the raft. Anybody know what the raft is? We were deserving the raft. Because if it wasn't for God's grace, we would all be condemned. And yet sometimes we never acknowledge him. We never thank him. We never praise him. We never take time out to spend with him. But we're reconciled back to him. And yet we continue to live a life at times that is so unrecognizable as a Christian that there are people who believe that they're just as good as we are because they see us living the same way that they're living. How, how that much grieved God's heart. Christ's reconciliation worked for us who called out to him as our Lord and Savior. Number two, hold firm to the gospel. Hold firm to the gospel. In verse 23, it says this, If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. It says if. That little word, if. If, 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 if. You don't see here where God is commanding you. He says, if you do these things, if you abide in me, if you worship me, if you serve me, if you abide in my word, there's something waiting on you. Better than what you could ever imagine that could come your way. What do you place? Or where do you place your hope in? What do you place it in? Is it in that nice job that you have? Woo, I'm making a lot of money. <laughs> Is that nice car you drive? Is that big house you live in? Is that job that gives you recognition and gives you status? What do you put your hope in? Because when we put our hope in things, 
that are temporal, that are going to pass away. It's all for naught. We hold on to these little things, to our positions, to our possessions, to all of this stuff that we think will bring us joy and happiness, and we hold tight on to it, and really none of it can you take home with you. We grip it, we hold on to it, we protect it, we fight over it, and yet rarely do we stand on solid ground and fight that way and talk that way about Christ, who we claim to be the most important thing in our lives. We don't dare hold on as tight as we do to our stuff because our hope is in our stuff rather than our hope in Christ himself. If you continue and you hold on to this truth, if you do this, and that's what Paul was doing, right? When he was talking to the Colossians, he was in prison. So all that he was holding on to was Christ. And all he was encouraging them to do is to hold on to Christ because that's the only thing that's going to matter when it's all said and done. Hold on to Christ. Tells us this in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Be careful about how you're living. Because if you're claiming to be loving the Lord Jesus Christ, there are people looking at you. There are people wondering if this is what you can do in walking with Christ. And I don't need Christ because I'm doing everything you're doing. When you come to know Christ, there is something that separates you away from all the other stuff. The old lifestyle that you once lived, the old habits that you once had, all those things disappear from your life to where Jesus Christ is the number one thing in your life and you are representing him and that you are being the light of the world by the way that you live your life, that you are becoming a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in this verse, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul knew what brought him to joy in his life. Even being beat, even been run out of town, even been locked up in prison, he knew that his hope was to hold on to the truth, to hold on to the gospel. And every time that he had an opportunity to share it, he talked about it. The Lord always talks about the words that be on our tongues all the time. But it's not so because we have too many other things that we like to talk about. Paul is telling the people, stay, remain. Don't forget what you've heard. Don't become lax in pursuing Christ. Don't allow outside ungodly influences be part of your life. And men and women, if I was to tell you anything today, it would be quit listening to your neighbor who has no idea what Christ says. Quit listening to all your friends that have all this great advice that spends no time at all with the Lord. But they're giving you everything that they had that's going to cause you to stumble and they're going to have a big crash in your life because you're trusting in man rather than putting your trust in God. Paul was at a point in his life to where he knew that everything that he needed came from above, and anything else was for naught. We're missing it. We're missing it when we start holding on to other things. We're missing it when we start putting our hope in the other things. Oh, that guy over there, oh, that girl, oh, that job, oh, this, oh, that. What about oh, Christ? And hold on as tight as you can. You see, a lot of people are starting to disappear from the church 
And a lot of high school kids are disappearing from the church. And if the older group are disappearing and the younger group are disappearing from the church, then eventually what happens? There's no church. There's no church. This is what a statistic says. 75% of young people fall away from their faith and leave the church after high school. And why is that? Why is that? Have you ever thought about it? What is it about when you leave your home where your parents have instilled godly values and godly truths in you and you get up on that campus, you get up on that hill, whatever school it might be, and all of a sudden everything that you've learned is sucked out of your heart and out of your head and out of your mind. All the things that you've learned as a child, all the things that was read to you in Sunday school, all the passages and, 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 and sermons that you heard in church, all of a sudden not important anymore. Because we're running after things that don't matter. We're wasting time after things that don't matter. They say that we said that teenagers, knowing that we have one right over there that just graduated, 30 hours they spend inside of a schoolroom. 30 hours they're being influenced by whoever's in that school telling them whatever they want to tell them. So they get them for 30 hours. And then it says then we have 30 hours during the week to wear TV and Internet and all of those type things. Social media is getting them. So when are they getting Christ then? When is Christ being evident in their lives? When is Christ controlling their life? If half of their time is in the school, half of their time is in front of a TV set or a telephone, then what's making them long and want Christ? No wonder why they're leaving. They're serving other gods. And for us as grown-ups, I looked up some statistics for us that I shared last week. In 2021, how often grown-ups, us old folks, read the Bible? And listen to what they say. Every day, 11%, 11% of believers read God's Word. Every day. Four more times a week, Five percent. Several times a week, nine percent. Once a week, nine percent. Three or four times a year, eight percent. And the highest one that disturbed me more than anything else is that close to 30 percent of people don't read God's word at all. And if that doesn't bother you or scare you, it should. Because that means we have a lot of people that are going to be running our lives, us older folks. I'm just talking to the older folks, the 50s and above folks that are going to be running our lives that have no fear, no reverence towards God. And so when you see all kinds of things invading our society, people are not speaking up because people are not reading. People are not studying God's word. People are not letting the spirit of God control them. So why are young people walking away? Sometimes it's because of us older people are not influencing them enough with the gospel. Listen to what it says here. If both parents were faithful and active in church, 93% of their children remain faithful. If both parents, then you might be divorced, you might be separated, but if both parents are active, pursuing God in the church, 93% of their kids will be involved in church. 
If just one parent were faithful and active in church, 73% of children stay faithful to the Lord. And even if neither one of them were in the church, at least 53% stay faithful. Paul was encouraging the saints, the believers, don't be influenced by outside influencers, ungodly people. Stay faithful to the truth and hang in there. Hold on to the gospel. Hold on to the truth because it is the only thing that will set you free and make your life complete. Number three, because of Christ, we can rejoice through our suffering. We can rejoice through our suffering. My mentor, about three or four days, passed away. He was my second mentor that poured into me in the last year and a half that I lost. And what I come to understand a couple of days ago was that he was ate up with cancer. But he was still on the battlefield teaching his class at Sunday school. He was still doing tennis at Greenwood High School and playing with the kids. He was still loving on his wife and honoring her. He was still pouring blessings on his daughters as they walked through the door. And he was still telling everybody that would call him to hang on to Christ. And that was in the midst of his suffering. In Colossians 1, 24 and 25, it says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I fill up my flesh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. Paul, it didn't matter. Didn't matter what he was feeling, didn't matter what he was thinking, didn't matter what people were saying about him, didn't matter if he was being beat. He was going to be on a battlefield telling people about Christ. What about us? What about us? Every time we get the notion that someone says something negative about us because we're Jesus freaks, we get a little nervous and we kind of hush up and we kind of back away because we don't want them to think, oh, man, that old Jesus boy over there, he's always ruining our fun. How much fun can it be being rebellious against God? Don't answer that because some of you know how much fun it is. But Why? Why are we backing up and hushing up about these things? Just because there's a little suffering going on. I can tell you, if you watch the news like I do, and my wife will tell you, she'll tell you, I'm a political science major and a history minor. I watch politics. I don't talk them. I love my friends and family too much. <laughs> love them too much. Not worth an argument, right? Amen. But when you look out at the spectrum of what's going on in our society and you see ungodliness all over the place and no one is saying anything about anything, we're just going along with the, with the flow because we don't want anyone to not accept us. We don't want to not fit in. We don't want to be part of our social group that we hang out with. But we're missing out on what God's called us to be and he's called us to be the light. And in all of that darkness, who's going to shine in there if it's not us who knows the Lord Jesus Christ? If you look with me in, in, chapter, in Acts chapter 9, 15, this is what it said about Paul. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. 
I will show how much he must suffer for my name. Has Jesus Christ mentioned that to you? You see, as believers, we just want to be comfortable. We don't want to get down in all the muck and all of the mess. We just want to be happy and let everybody else be happy. But the truth of the matter is God is looking for some warriors that will stand up and be alive and not be afraid and not back up and hush up, but stand up and tell the truth when truth needs to be spoken. Why is it that we're so fearful what people are going to say about us? Jesus Christ died for us, and they talked about him, and then they whipped him and beat him beyond recognition, and he was still going to suffer for us. He did not care what the cost of his little body was going to go through. He cared about the cost of your hearts. And that's what was on his mind when he went to the cross. Your heart, your attitude, your life, your eternal destination is what was on his mind. And so he was willing to suffer for us. We find Paul here. God says, why are you persecuting my people? Guess what you're going to do for the rest of your life? You are going to suffer. I have chosen you. Just like he has chosen us, that we will suffer to let people know about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're so afraid and we're so, oh, God's not looking for wimpy people. He's just looking for some faithful people. He's just looking for some faithful people that say, I will not back up. I will not be afraid. I will stand for truth, no matter what it might cost me. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, this is where we find Paul. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. I don't know if you know this story or not, but Paul and Silas finds himself in a prison. They've been beaten beyond recognition. They're set back there in the back. Their legs are stretched out to where they can't escape. They're guarded like they're the worst prisoners that ever lived. And in the midst of everything that was going on in his life, all the beat down, all the, the things that were made fun of them, all of those crazy things that went on with them, they are singing unto the Lord. When's the last time in the midst of your suffering you were singing unto the Lord and not complaining? When was the last time you were just in all of him just because you didn't have this or didn't have that, just because you couldn't pay a bill, just because your kid was being rebellious, you were still able to just get in his presence and just say, Lord, come on. Father, come on, hold me. I'm going to praise you in spite of what's going on in my life. Paul said, I have learned to be content with whatever I find me, my situation is. Are we there? Because really, that's where God wants us to be. Paul was a warrior for the Lord. He writes to these people here, and he's in prison at this moment as he writes this letter. And he is telling them, stay in the fight. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Don't back up. Stand up. Be accounted for so that others might come to know Jesus Christ. What about you today? Are you ready to make a stand? Have you counted the cost? Do you understand that the mystery of why at one time we couldn't be close to him, at one time why your heart was so cold and you were so rebellious, one time that you alienated from the Lord, and it was all because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. 
And the mystery was, how in the world can God get us back to him because we're separated from him because of what Adam and Eve did? So from the time that happened, he was busy trying to get us back in touch with him. Number four, the mystery is revealed to God's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope and glory. The mystery is, is that we were never, ever going to be good enough to get back into a love relationship with the Heavenly Father. The mystery was, how in the world can we live a life that pleases him when we don't have Christ that lives inside of us that gives us the strength to do the things that we need to do? The mystery was, how can I be this rotten of a person and ungodly and do all these wicked things and God still accept me? Well, the truth of the matter is, you're the very reason he did it. He didn't want it to be a mystery. He wanted it to be revealed to us that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. There was a time in the Old Testament that only one person could go into the Holy of Holies. Only one person could walk in there and preach and he could talk to the Lord and no one else could enter in. Well, because of him sending his only son to die for us, we all can approach the throne through the Lord Jesus Christ. We all can tell our story to the Lord Jesus Christ. We all can bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. We all can beg him for forgiveness. We all can find grace now in his presence. And what I tell you today is this. God does not care where you've been, what you've engaged in, what you might even be doing right now in your life. He doesn't care that you were rebellious back then. He doesn't care that you did this or that. What he cares about is where your heart is today. He cares about saving your life and making you into the man and woman that he wants you to be. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Are you still wondering if God, can he really love me with all my stuff? <laughs> I'm telling you, he loves you with all your stuff. And this is what I had to tell my teammate in college. He would come to me while we were doing our Bible study and say, Upshaw, I'm going to come to that Bible study, man. But first, I got to get myself right. And I would always look at him and say, you know what? If you could get yourself right, Jesus Christ would have never had to go to the cross. We didn't have it in us. We didn't have it in us to get to the Father. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come and rid us of the mystery of this thing. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If anyone wants to come unto the Father, they have to go through Christ. We can go and spend time in the Holy of Holies. We can go and spend time with this holy God that we felt is so far away. He wants us to come to him with all our troubles and even our victories. <laughs> He wants us to come to him. Are we willing to do that? I want to leave you with three things. 
three little practical things I ask of you. You'd want to do them. It's up to you if God leads you to do them. Number one, live like you've been redeemed. Quit living a defeated life. He didn't die on the cross so that you could go, woe is me, every time something hard comes in your life. Or because you commit some kind of sin that he's already forgiven you for. Confess that sin, repent, and get back in the fight and get back on the battlefield. Two, stop being paralyzed by your past failures. When he says you are forgiven, he says that I have washed them away from the far and thrown them away as far as the east is to the west. When he says I will remember your sin no more, he means that when he says it to you. Quit being paralyzed by your past. Quit letting Satan lie to you. Be set free by his grace and his blood. And number three, walk in his grace and stay in the fight because we need you. We absolutely need you to stay in this fight. We've had enough people check out. We need you to be all in. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that the mystery is revealed. <laughs> the mystery is revealed that we can have fellowship with you, that we can come into your presence without needing a priest or without sacrificing the lamb. We can just come into the Holy of Holies and that we can bring all of our stuff, all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our victories. We can bring it all to you, Lord. Thank you that we have that right through Jesus Christ to do that. Father, I pray if there's someone out here this morning who has no idea what it means to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would convince him or her that they need to surrender their lives over to you. That you tell us if we confess our sins, <clears throat> you are just to forgive. Father, you tell us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And they are here this morning physically. But some of the people here might be dead spiritually. And Father, you made it abundantly clear that we just got to confess our sins unto you, believe that you died for us, believe that you rose from the grave, simply ask you to come live in our lives, and that's exactly what you would do with them. You will save their lives. Father, I pray for anyone this morning that might just be struggling with life. They got issues going on in their life. They got marriages there, their struggles there. They got kids that are being rebellious. Father, would you just hold them this morning for a moment? Would you just assure them that you're for them, not against them? Would you wrap your arms around them and give them security for a moment and let them know you got this? Father, we love you. We desperately need you. And we lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand with me, please? I don't know where you are this morning. But I do know this. God knows where you are. He knows the difficulties in your life. He knows the troubles that you're feeling. And he says, I'm here. I'm here for you. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.